Welcome in. It's another edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. Glad to have you along for the ride today. I'm really excited about something that I'm doing that's new on 97.3 The Game. It's a new show. It's called The Game Night, and we're still working on how to get it up on the game's website and for podcast purposes in that realm. Uh, There's a process it has to go through, but in the interim... If you wanted to check out the show, but you haven't had a chance to check out the show yet, either live at 6 o'clock, again on 97.3, the game in Milwaukee, or on the iHeartRadio app, or on the iHeartRadio app podcast page, well, this is last night's show, and I just want to give you a sample of what we're doing, and I hope you can check it out at some point as well. It's called The Game Night on 97.3, the game starting at 6 o'clock Monday through Friday. As the day turns to night, 97.3 The Game isn't done talking about the teams you care about. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. You'll hear from the newsmakers and newsbreakers from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and the world. The Bucks have done it. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. This is the game night. Here's Doug Russell. And a good Wednesday evening to you. It is the game night. Every day we broadcast, of course, from the Iron Jock Studios. Iron Jock is the most advanced performance gear ever made. Now through August 22nd, order the Workout Essentials Bundle, which is their antimicrobial shorts, T-shirts, socks, and you get a bonus workout towel all for just $69.99. Load up on Iron Jock. Shipping, of course, is free. Workout and don't stink. Order yours at ironjock.com. That's ironjoc.com. Got a great show for you tonight. Uh, Paul Wagner, MLB Insider, will join us in just a couple of moments. Now, normally he's going to be at 625. We've shuffled the deck on him one last time, but uh, normally you'll be hearing him at 625 on uh, right here on 97.3 The Game. Uh, Also, Pete Doherty coming up tonight uh, as we go camping, as we will continue to go camping uh, for, I don't know, the next several weeks anyway, because it's just that time of year. But first, before we go any further... Our nightly appearance from former Brewers right-hander Paul Wagner, brought to you by Wealth Freedom Advisors. Is your retirement and estate plan up to date? Are you aware of how the 2020 Secure Act will affect you and your family? Tim and his team at Wealth Freedom Advisors can guide you through these vital topics. Call 262-628-1618. And without further ado, we welcome in the man of the hour. Do I call you coach now, Paul Wagner, as you embark on your uh, coaching career? That's a good question because some will say I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So <laughs> if you call you call me coach, it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. So I think it's a fifty fifty. That's a that's a coin flip. <laughs> all right. Well, how did this all come about? Now, so if if nobody has if you haven't heard yet, uh, you are going to be the the pitching coach for the new American Association team, which is based in Oconomowoc, but is the Lake Country. I'm sorry. What's the the the, the nickname again? Yep, we'll be the Lake Country Dockhounds. Dockhounds, uh, that's it. I love that Doc name. Hounds, yes. Yes, and the stadium is underway. We had a good announcement last night over at the Cornerstone Pub in Oconomowoc. Drew and KB held their show there. Um, it's something that's been in the makings for so many years. We were throwing around a lot of ideas. We were originally from, gosh, probably three, four years ago, well before COVID, we were looking towards the North Woods League being a collegiate league. 
uh, member in that conference. We left the Northwoods League. The American Association situation came up. The new stadium, everything from Tom Kelnick, Sonny Bando, and the whole organization ownership group. Man, they put it together real good. So we will be com- competing against the Milwaukee Milkmen. And this is professional baseball. This is, uh, you know, the, the, these are guys that could eventually. I know it's not affiliated Major League Base with, with it's affiliated, but the the team is not affiliated. Am I am I getting that right? Correct, correct. So Major League Baseball is going to supply, I believe, two interns. Um, Major League Baseball is going to utilize it as a scouting a scouting program. So they will have Rapsoda numbers spin rates, exit velocities. So all major league teams will have access to it. When MLB and Manfred decided to eliminate 52 minor league teams, well, that left a lot of jobs available. So a lot of organizations are looking towards the independent leagues to supply them with players that are ready. The Milwaukee Brewers have one who just came off the I.O. and Jake Cousins. He came from independent ball. So there's a lot of good talent that just not enough room because major league baseball is starting to use their minor league system strictly for development, not necessarily MLB ready players. This is where the independent leagues come in. Guys can come in here, get work, build up strength, get a couple tweaks here and there. And the next thing you know, being scouted throughout major league baseball, a scout can come in from the Colorado Rockies or, or the LA Dodgers and say, I like that kid. We need an opening. IL hit COVID hit something happened. We need somebody in. And bingo, a guy can go right from the Lake Country Dockhounds to the Milwaukee Brewers. So this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment, and I don't mean it to sound like that. You and I are friends. We've been friends for a long time, so I'm just going to say it this way. Uh, Most great pitchers don't make great coaches. Like Mike Maddox was a far better (laughs) uh, pitching coach than he was a pitcher, and Greg Maddox I don't think ever embarked on any kind of coaching career, and probably that's a good thing. As someone who had to fight and claw your way to the major leagues, but you got there and stayed there for a while, what can you teach these kids that are coming through that are trying to get to where you were? The thing that, yes, you're right. So it kind of it kind of tweaks the uh, the teeter totter the wrong way when we come with those comparisons. But <laughs> I've been through it all. I've been through it all. You know, I've I've gotten to the big leagues. I came. I grew up in Wisconsin. We all know that. You know, went to college, played through the minor league system in Pittsburgh, played on championship teams, uh, went through Tommy John surgeries, went through reconstructive shoulders. Um, you know, uh, I started an opening day. Um, I took a no hitter into the ninth inning, two outs. So I've accomplished a lot of things. The one thing I didn't do would be postseason player World Series, but I've been fired five, six times. So everything that these individuals, when they come to the Lake Country Dockhounds, they're all going to be guys that there's pretty much nothing that I haven't gone through yet besides pitching in the postseason or an all-star game. So I think what I can do is I can, I can give them that sense that, hey, when you think you're down and out, hey, it's maybe sometimes it's just the beginning. Who are the pitching coaches that you learn the most from? Is there anybody that stands out that you can kind of draw from to – uh, you know, teach your pupils when the time comes? Yeah, matter of fact, it comes from a guy that, uh, a guy's name was Ray Miller. And Ray Miller was with me in Pittsburgh, uh, went on to manage the Baltimore Orioles and, you know, rest in peace, unfortunately he passed away in February of this year. But you know what? He was the one guy that said, everybody is the same. There's physical tools. Some guys have great stuff, but more than likely 95% of the big league players are pretty much equal. 
It's what happens between the ears is what makes you either successful or a failure. And sometimes you just have to concentrate and eliminate the distractions. And Ray Miller simplified it. He makes you believe in himself, in yourself. And and that's kind of what I'm going to give to these kids. Though you've been fired, though you've been released, you know, you still have ambition. You still think you can pitch in the big leagues. Well, that's what I want you to believe because you can go out right now for two, three months. And this isn't a, this isn't a situation where they're going to be in the Lake Country Doc Hounds for five years, you know, trying, trying to get to the big leagues. This is a stop where, hey, it's either this or I go back home and start a family and get a real job. Do the Lake Country Doc Hounds have merch yet? Because I've seen the logo and it's pretty dope. We do. We got merch. I met the designer, the the supplier. He's great. We got tumblers. We got shirts, hats. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty good. So the term is they always say everything, and I got to get used to this because obviously I'm older. But everything's off the leash. So everything <laughs> the kids used to say was off the hook. Now it's with these dogs. Everything's off the leash. And, off the uh, leash. It's gonna be pretty cool. It, it's pretty it's pretty sharp, and the stadium's gonna be really really sweet. Very accessible, either from the north or the south. Right off of 94 and 67, right behind the Harley-Davidson and the Roundies plant, uh, Paps Farms and Oconomowoc. So, again, should be very, 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 very exciting for the, the Lake Country area. Yeah, I've watched that stadium. I mean, still obviously under construction, but uh, I drive past it, eh, I wouldn't say every day, but fairly regularly. So it's going to be an exciting time out there for the Lake Country Dockhounds and their new pitching coach, uh, our MLB insider, Paul Wagner, who joins us here on the game night. All right, let's talk about the Brewers for a couple of minutes. I guess... Yesterday was a good way to erase the miscues of the Giants series, taking two from the Cubs. Look, you might see the Giants in October. You're not going to see the Cubs. So at least if you're going to beat up on somebody, beat up on the teams you need to beat up on. Exactly. You've got you've to win these games. Um, but don't look at that San Francisco series just because we lost two out of three. Don't believe that we didn't get anything out of it. We learned that our scouting report doesn't know how to pitch to their left-handed first baseman in Brandon Belt. <laughs> okay. so we're going to make adjustments. <laughs> There's we're that. Make adjustments. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, we got four more games in San Francisco. So if we do run into these guys in the play in the postseason in the playoffs, we have an idea of what we can do. We know what doesn't work against him. So now we go into a situation where we know what we have to do. And we can't let him beat us. Even though we lost two out of three, yeah, it's terrible. We didn't lose much ground, Cincinnati. We're still seven up or, you know, we're still okay, but we did learn a lot. So even though we did lose those two, just look at it as a learning experience. And that's where you got to scout these teams that you're going to see down the road. Yeah, send that Especially over. when to, you only see them seven times, you know. Send that note over to Chris Hook. Don't pitch to Brandon right. Belt. Paul um, <laughs> <laughs> Wagner joining us here on the game night. When you're sitting around for that long, take me inside the clubhouse yesterday. It was a day-night doubleheader. I know there's seven game or seven inning games, which I, I think that they're going to get rid of. Rob Manfred has indicated that that's probably not going to last, which I think as a baseball fan is a good thing. Maybe you have a different perspective as a player, but um, there's another rain delay on top of this day-night doubleheader. You start the day at, I don't know what, what time you get there, maybe 10 a.m. Game two ends at almost midnight. You've got to go back today. How draining is that for the guys in the clubhouse? It, it, it really is. It really is because you're going back and forth and Baseball players are so routine and so everything is, you know, this way, this way, and this way. And they have a they have an itinerary and all of a sudden you kind of mess it up. The two seven innings, I'm with you. I really like the two seven inning games. I think though it's fourteen innings in one day, it could be a lot more damaging to a pitching staff 
and to the player itself. But I like that. But yeah, all of a sudden you got to go back. You can't eat. Now you're eating spread food. We all know Wrigley Field home home clubhouse is beautiful, and the visitors clubhouse blows. So you know <laughs> you're not gonna. You're sitting on metal chairs and you're not eating good food. And you got to run to the hotel and get some sleep. <laughs> There's a you Starbucks across the street that you can send the rookies to. I know. <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to. You don't want them to go to Sheffield Grill and pull, bring them Jaeger bombs and stuff because that ain't going to work. <laughs> well, you know when it gets to September, maybe it'll be the Cubs that are going over to get the Jaeger bombs because they just want the season uh, to end. Yeah. By the way, that Cubs clubhouse. If if fans aren't aware of where this thing is. It's like sandwiched in between, like at Old County Stadium, fans didn't realize that the visitor's clubhouse was on the main concourse, just behind a metal door, and it was just as fans were walking by, the other guys on the other side were getting ready for the game or showering or doing whatever. It's almost the same thing at Wrigley Field. The visitor's clubhouse is kind of tucked between the upper deck and the lower deck, and if you think about it, you're like, well, that's a long ways to walk between the clubhouse and the field. Yeah, it is. That's the and it's tiny too. It's the worst clubhouse I've ever been in. How does Major League Baseball let the Cubs get away with this nonsense? It, 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 it has those old. If if anybody can remember back in the high school days, and I know it's changed now, but in the old high school days when you'd go in and take a shower and have that one that one pole in the middle of the shower room, and there'd be like seven spigot heads <laughs> on the top. Oh, yeah. We all had to stand next to each other, and that's exactly what Wrigley has. So you have 25 grown Major League Baseball adults all standing there showering together. It's, it's absolutely a joke, and I can't believe the Players Union allows it. Yeah, no doubt. Paul Wagner joining us here for a couple more minutes here on the game night. I don't know if you saw the article that Adam McKelvey wrote about Camp Strickland. Now... That's a colloquial term, but the basic gist is that Hunter Strickland and Jake Cousins both got COVID while they were in Atlanta. That's bad, but what's good is that Strickland lives about an hour from Atlanta, and he's got about 200 acres there, and Strickland himself, he was in his family's guest room in their home. Cousins was in their camper, so they wouldn't you know, infect anyone else. Again, 200 acres, full workout facility. So they got all of their work in while they were quarantining. Have you ever heard of anything like that? And I guess if you're going to get COVID, it might as well be about an hour away from one of your teammates, if your cousins, and, and you can just go live in a camper and still get everything done that you've, need, that you've got to get done. <laughs> right. Obviously, I never heard, you know, because COVID is, you know, never happened back in the day. But I have heard of stories like even when, even when I was coming up, there were a couple of young guys that would go. Uh, we had a buddy, one of my teammates was named Denny Nagel. Denny Nagel had a good place. Some of those guys had places down in Sarasota, Florida, where we would come down, not necessarily for uh, like a COVID retreat, but come down maybe three, four weeks before spring training started, use his facility, work out his weight room, kind of get to the point where we were ready to go because at that time, I was one of those guys that on a 25-man roster, I, I never had a multi-year deal. I always had to come in there ready to go. Spring training wasn't a time for Paul Wagner to go in there and, <laughs> and get ready for the season. It was, it was time for Paul Wagner to try to make get a job. <laughs> well, see, that, that's what you can bring to your new pupils when it's like, all right, now it's it's time to go because you're not that good. And right, exactly. you know what that – and you've been through that. Like I said, Mike Maddox – Nobody remembers Mike Maddox as a pitcher, but he pitched in the major leagues. But I think that sometimes failing on the field can make you a better teacher to those who you're 
trying to to guide into greatness. I, I honestly believe that. I, aside from Frank Robinson, I don't think very many great players made great managers. No, and, and, and then you look at it, what are the great managers? They all were, and I'm not saying Mike Matheny's a, a great one. Craig Council, he's, like you said, Craig Council, a bench player, lifetime 225 hitter, but he's got World Series rings, Matheny's catcher. So if you're a catcher or a bench player, pitchers, I, I just think if I could turn back the clock and just listen, because back in the day when, when I'm throwing 95, 96 miles an hour and someone is telling me that I have to throw a changeup, Again, I didn't understand pitching. I didn't didn't get it. And some guy tells me, well, f- throw a changeup. I go, why in the world would I throw a ball slow when I throw 96? Not necessarily the fact that when I throw 96, they hit it 110 out of the park. Right. I didn't care about that. <laughs> so, you know what? That's, that's what I got to teach. I want them to teach us subtract, work fast, throw strikes, and change speed. Some of the great, the three topics that I've been taught my whole career and that's that's regardless of the organization, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Atlanta, New York, even my little pitching coach in, with the New York Mets, Dave Wallace with the glasses. Again, work fast, change speeds, and throw strikes. So I think I can bring a lot to these guys, and it's nice because these guys have talent. And I'm not saying that nobody, you know, some guys don't, some guys do, but these guys are on the verge. Some of these players are on the verge of getting called up to the big leagues, and maybe a tweak here, a pressure point here, a balance transfer, or a finish can help them. And if I can see with a different pair of eyes, maybe it can help them get to the big leagues. Wags, it'll be fun watching you in uniform next year, but we still have uh, have some business in 2021 with you. Uh, enjoy the conversation. We'll do it again tomorrow at your normal time at 625. I don't, I don't like throwing you curveballs because I can't throw them. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I'm good, <laughs> All right, we'll see you, There he goes. Have a good one. You too. There he goes. Paul Wagner. Our uh, MLB Insider brought to you by Wealth Freedom Advisors is your retirement and estate plan up to date. Are you aware of how the 2020 Secure Act will affect you and your family? Tim and his team at Wealth Freedom Advisors can guide you through these vital topics. I'll give you the phone number, 262-628-1618. That's 262-628-1618 to learn more. Coming up next, Pete Doherty from the Green Bay Press-Gazette, our Green and Gold Insider. It's coming up straight ahead as we go camping in Titletown. I'm Doug Russell. This is the Game Night. The Game Night continues. Doug Russell with you on this Wednesday, August 11th, 2021. The Packers back out on the practice field this morning. Green Bay, of course, welcoming in the Houston Texans on Saturday night at Lambeau Field. Coach Matt LaFleur has already said that Jordan Love will get the vast majority of reps at quarterback. Aaron Rodgers probably won't play at all in the preseason. But then again, he hasn't played in the preseason in about four years at all. Not even a snap. So same as it ever was in Town. Our Green and Gold Insider is Pete Doherty today from the Green Bay Press-Gazette and the USA Today Network in Wisconsin. Our Green and Gold Insiders are brought to you by Iron Jock. It's what's inside. Maddie's Bar and Grill and Palermo's Wisconsin's hometown pizza. And with that, we do welcome in uh, from the Green Bay Press-Gazette and the USA Today Network in Wisconsin, Pete Doherty. Pete, appreciate the time. How are you doing tonight? Doing well, Doug. How are you? So far, so good. Um, I, I think that the players, and you can speak to this much better than I can, having been at camp for each of the, the periods that the media is allowed in. How anxious are these guys uh, to get to hit somebody else that's not wearing a green and gold uniform? Well, I'm sure it's 
oh, you know, at this point, just about off the charts. You know, they didn't get any of it last year in the preseason. You got all these guys just trying to make the roster and the way to, you know, practice matters. It matters a lot. But what really matters is if you can do, if you do something really big in a preseason game or you're, if you play a lot and are really consistent, you know, you can win a roster spot or, you know, move up in the, on the depth chart and the playing rotation. So I'm sure they're, uh, I'm sure they're dying to, to play against somebody else. <laughs> um, has practice gotten chippy at all yet? I, I don't, usually when there's a full out brawl, you guys tweet about it a lot because that's what we do and it's fun, but have guys, you know, gotten a little anxious at all with each other uh, during periods of practice? No, in fact, now that you say it, uh, it's just made me realize I don't think they've even come close to having a fight. There hasn't been any, you know, kind of half sparring and almost getting after it. You know, practice is, um, it's so short now. God, I think back to the 90s and those two-hour and 45-minute practices and then practice in the afternoon. I mean, they're just going, you know, they're going four days this week, but like today they only want an hour and 13 minutes. And they, they had pads on, but they weren't wearing, you know, their full uniform. They weren't wearing the padded pants. Um, so it was, it was just brisk and they go hard one day and not, not so hard the next day to say it was a lighter day. And even the hard days are, you know, if it's two hours and four minutes, that's, you know, a fairly long practice. Um, so, you know, they, they're just not out there slugging it out as much as they used to. And maybe that's one of the reasons why there's, uh, there's no fights and they, you know, they don't do as much, as much one-on-one pass blocking as they used to, and they don't do uh, the run game stuff, the nine-on-seven run game stuff that McCarthy did. So it's uh, yeah, it's a lot different atmosphere. It's they're getting ready for football. They're not uh, they're not sparring amongst each other. I know the two a days went away as part of the collective bargaining agreement, but what about these shorter practices? Is this as you know the CBA has dictated, or is this maybe a new way of thinking, a new way of coaching? From what you've observed. Yeah, yeah, it's the latter, and it's been headed this direction <clears throat> very slowly since I started covering in '93. Um, I think the CBA—I'd have to check on this, but I'm pretty sure the CBA allows for a three-hour practice, and they're going for not much more than half that on hmm. a lot of days, you know, an hour and fifty or so. <clears throat> I think a lot of it comes down to—they want—it's just all injury prevention. It's you know they. You, you practice more, you get those soft tissue injuries because guys get fatigued. You know, they've been using uh, that GPS technology where they can measure explosiveness and fatigue and all that in players. And they've got, you know, a decade's worth or close to that of <clears throat> data now from every day in practice. And um, I think Lafleur's on the farther end of practicing, you know, less is more. You know, Shanahan, I think, was like that. But the whole league is going is, is headed in this direction, um, and I, it's it's a health thing, and you know because if your best players are hurt, you can't win. How healthy is this team right now heading into the first preseason game? Pretty healthy. the The list, you know, the list is up to about eight or nine guys not practicing now. Um, like Kenny Clark, you know, he's out with a groin. Um, uh, Rashawn Gary's got a groin too, but none of these injuries are serious. You know, it's it's something that won't, you know, I think if they had a game in a week and a half, they'd be playing, you know, maybe even this week. Um, they haven't had any catastrophic season ending injury to an important player or to anybody. As far as I can remember, even Ramsey, I don't think his uh, ankle is, is season ending or at least not yet. 
So I would say they're doing really well. And they've been um, uncommonly healthy in LaFleur's two seasons. That's one of the reasons, you know, they went 13-3 and in both of them. Pete Doherty joining us from the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Uh, here on the game night, Doug Russell with you on this Wednesday evening. How much talk, Pete, has there been about the only storyline that really we were all talking about this offseason, or at least down here in Milwaukee, and that's obviously the Aaron Rodgers story, because he's back, obviously, and for us it seems like, well, that was a wasted three months of talking about will he or won't he show up. How much talk has there been about the whole three months that he was PO'd at the Packers during training camp? You know, not much. I mean, hardly any. I mean, that's all any of us were talking about, right? Same thing up here in the off season. I think what diffused a lot of it was that he showed up on time. You know, when it, when push came to shove and it was time to report, here he was. Uh, he's pra- he's looked really, really sharp in practice. Whatever his feelings are for Murphy and and Ball and Gutekunst or any combination of them, I mean, he looks super sharp in practice. This is as good a camp as I can remember him having. Um, but showing up on time just diffused the whole thing because, you know, and it's, now it's time to play football and, um, you know, they're getting the team ready. And it really, after that press conference that he had at the start of camp, it's really hasn't been a big issue. Now it's going to be in the background all season and it'll come to fore every once in a while when, you know, somebody does a big story on it or whatever, but it's, uh, it's definitely not front and center, not even close. If he'd even held out for a week or two, I, I think it would be a, it would have been a bigger deal. But, you know, he did. He showed up. It'll be a story for all of the opponents' radio stations that call you for a primer during the season. Like when WXYT in Detroit calls you and says, Hey, Pete, can we talk Packers-Lions this week? Hey, what about Aaron Rodgers? That's, that's probably how you're going <laughs> to talk will, about it. Will, it will. Yeah, no, it definitely will, Doug. I mean, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> Peter King was uh, <clears throat> was at their practice today. And he does a pretty thorough job, so he was asking me about a bunch of different stuff. But, you know, of course, the main thing that he's going to write about is it's going to have to be Rodgers. That sounds like he talked to uh, LaFleur and maybe Gutekunst one-on-one, so I'll be interested to <clears throat> to read what he has to write off that. I don't know if he'll, he might do that. He might might not be till next Monday where that would come out, but I'll sure. be curious to see what he, uh, what he learned. Interesting. Aside from Aaron Rodgers, what should be? this camp's biggest storyline like David Bakhtiari or Joe Barry in the new defense what did me what did we all miss because we were distracted by the shiny object yeah well yeah it's you know the I think the defense is big and you know how it'll look with Barry I don't think the preseason is going to tell us a lot there so limited value coming out of that in the three games because the preseason games are still more about evaluation um, I don't know that besides Rodgers, there was a huge story other than how does love progress? You know, we'll get our first look at him, but he's been just wildly inconsistent, looking pretty good at times and really not so good at others. So I right. expect that's how he's going to play in the games, you know. Um, but, I, you know, it's just, it's just all the smaller stories because this should be a good team. They've got a elite quarterback. The offense is humming. The offense looked really good early in camp. They got talent. Uh, you know, they were leading scoring team last year and they've got a lot of talent on offense. And um, so it's just about, you know, filling in a couple spots and, and seeing how their depth is. And then how do they play when the games start for real? Well, that was going to be my next question about Jordan Love and what you expect he w- is going to show the fans on Saturday night. But the coaching staff has been with him, albeit behind closed doors and not with live action for more than a year now. 
in your opinion, as someone who knows these guys and spends as much time with them as you do, do you get the feeling that there is some concern about what Jordan Love is going to show when he does get on the field? I don't get the feeling. I don't know that I would because we have such limited access still to everybody. You know, locker rooms aren't open. So we only get to talk to whoever they make available on Zoom. And LaFleur is certainly not going to, if he has concerns, he's not going to betray them. Um, I mean, it's I'm sure they know the guy was is not ready to be an NFL starting quarterback right now, or at least a winner. Um, and I think if he, I mean, I'm assuming he'll play in the games like he has in practice. So you'll see a play where he throws a swing pass and he, you know, misses the guy, just a short pass or throws one over the middle in traffic where he shouldn't. And it either gets picked or, you know, at least comes close to that. And then he'll have a play where he just drops a really nice dime on a 30 yard pass down the sidelines over the cornerback and puts it right in the guy's lap for a nice gainer, or he slings a comeback route and, you know, puts decent zip on it or, you know, uh, does a boot and has a decent throw on the run. And I just think we're just going to see a lot of that, you know, maybe a good series and then a couple three and outs or, you know, some really, some bad plays. I, I, that's how he's been to practice. So I, you got to think that's how the games will go too. Aside from inconsistency, which certainly would qualify as a weakness, have you been able to see any discernible strengths or weaknesses, again, besides the inconsistency in Jordan Love's game from what you've been able to see at practice? You know, he throws okay on the run, it looks like, um, and he likes to throw from different arm angles. I think he can do all that stuff. Sometimes the accuracy goes on those things, but it looks like he has the arm talent to do it, so I would call that a potential strength down the road. Um, I think he's got, he throws touch throws really well. I sometimes wonder if he throws, he tries to touch it in there a little too often. I think it was either today or yesterday. There was, he threw threw kind of a corner pass, a corner route where he put just, just a little too much loft on the ball and tried to be too delicate. And that gave the safety time to come over and knock the ball away where if he's throwing it more in a line, he would add a nice, you know, 20 yard gain. So I wonder if maybe he tries to be a little too delicate with the touch sometimes. Um, the the decision-making thrown over the middle uh, with guys in traffic uh, looks like it could be an issue, which is one that I remember Brett Favre had too. I don't remember Rodgers having that uh, too much, but those there's kind of a that's kind of a thumbnail, you know, look at the strengths and weaknesses early on. Hey, Doherty from the Green Bay Press-Gazette joining us for just a couple more moments here. Final thing that I've got for you, Pete, aside from Jordan Love, who needs to impress, in your opinion, right away in game one of the preseason? So probably um, you got guys who have been around for a little while whose roster spot is in jeopardy. I'm thinking Josh Jackson, for instance, at corner. You know, he's only been okay in camp this year. Hasn't made a lot of plays in the ball. Has struggled, you know, up to now in his three years. Um, so I think he would need to show up. I was going to say Oren Burks, but with the, their need on special teams for him, he might be secure despite that. Um, I would. I think they need Josh Myers, the rookie center, to look pretty decent because, you know, they don't want to have to play Lucas Patrick there. You know, they drafted this guy to play right away, so that's a guy to keep an eye on is to make sure he can hold, hold up. I think the early signs are uh, are pretty good there. 
Well, we are going to look forward to seeing some live game action for the first time this year, uh, no matter what it looks like coming up on Saturday night at Lambeau Field between the Packers and the Houston Texans. Pete Doherty from the Green Bay Press-Gazette will be on hand for it. Pete, we appreciate the time and the insight so much. Uh, look forward to talking to you again down the road. Sounds good, Doug. Thanks for having me. Thank you. There he goes. Pete Doherty. Again, you can check out his outstanding work, uh, the USA Today, Wisconsin Network. You can also find him in the Green Bay Press-Gazette and um, occasionally in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel as well. It's all USA Today. It all it all comes together. It's all the same big, happy corporate family. All right. Uh, coming up next, a former Packers coach is in the spotlight and is going to be in the spotlight during training camp for the next several weeks. And we found out a few things about Mike McCarthy, including what a mojo moment is. We'll also get you set for Game 3 between the Brewers and the Cubs at Wrigley Field. We've got the starting lineups coming up straight ahead as well. I'm Doug Russell. This is the Game Night. Doherty from the Green Bay Press-Gazette for joining us in our last segment. One of our Green and Gold Insiders, our Green and Gold Insiders, sponsored by Iron Jock. It's what's inside. Maddie's Bar and Grill and Palermo's Wisconsin's Hometown Pizza. I'm Doug Russell. This is the game night on 97.3 The Game. Right up until the top of the hour, that's when the Brewers and Cubs will get underway at Wrigley Field. Game three of a four-game series. Of course, the crew with a doubleheader sweep yesterday, as we were talking about with Paul Wagner earlier in the day. Game three, the lineups are in. The Brewers will lead off Colton Wong. He's playing second base tonight. Christian Yelich batting second and playing left field. He's followed by Willie Adamas at shortstop. Eduardo Escobar will hit cleanup and bat uh, at fourth, rather, and play third base. Omar Narvaez batting fifth and doing the catching. Avisel Garcia hitting sixth and playing right field. Rowdy Telez back in the lineup tonight. He's batting seventh and playing first base. Lorenzo Kane. Uh, he is your center fielder and batting eighth. Corbin Burns doing the pitching and batting ninth. Burns six and four on the season. That does not tell the story because earlier in the season, of course, he got absolutely no run support whatsoever. Uh, but uh, his 2.39 ERA and 157 strikeouts, more indicative of how his season has gone. The Chicago Cubs, this is how their lineup will go. And if you're wondering, who's that? You're not the only one. But then again, they traded all of their uh, core players from the 2016 World Series Championship Club. Rafael Ortega, uh, he's going to lead off and play center field. Wilson Contreras doing the catching and batting second. Ian Happ is your left fielder playing uh, batting third and playing left field. Uh, Frank Schwindel batting cleanup and playing first base. Matt Duffy is your third baseman batting fifth. Uh, Greg Delkman is your right fielder. He is batting sixth. David Bode uh, playing second base and batting seventh. Andrew Romine is your shortstop and batting eighth. Jake Arrieta, uh, he will be doing the pitching tonight and batting ninth. I don't know if this is the end of the road for Jake Arrieta. It might be. He's had a fantastic career and shouldn't apologize to anybody for it. But Jake Arrieta, 5-10 and 10 this season with a 6.34 ERA. Not necessarily the um, 
The way that he wants to go out at this uh, is going to be his swan song in Chicago. Uh, The Brewers heading into play tonight with a seven-game lead over the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Cincinnati has lost their last two. Milwaukee has won their last two, so the lead was down to five when the week began, but now it's back up to seven. The Cardinals, they are treading water at 500 at 56 and 56. Uh, Right now, 11 games back, and then there's the Cubs and the Pirates. The also-rans Pittsburgh, by the way, just 41 and 72 on the season, just having an abysmal year. For what it's worth, 26 and a half games out of first place right now. Uh, they'll play host to the Cardinals this evening. Cincinnati is at Atlanta to take on the Braves. All right. Uh, we talked some Packers football with Pete Doherty just a few minutes ago. Matt LaFleur earlier today, uh, he met the media as he does each and every day of camp. And this was the first question that I asked Pete Doherty, but it was also the first question that Pete and his colleagues up in Green Bay today asked Matt LaFleur, are you guys getting ready to just pop somebody else because you're sick of hitting each other in camp, in practice, every day? What week is it? Three weeks now? <laughs> uh, you kind of lose track of time a little bit. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be nice next or this week with uh, the first preseason game. You know, give us a good chance to see a lot of our guys go out there and compete. But um, and then going into next week, it'll be fun to get to practice versus another team. But this also does give the Packers some actual game tape to look at. So, what is the the head coach? What is Matt Lafleur? What is he looking for on Saturday night? Just guys going out down and and trying to make plays on the football, uh, shedding blocks, playing fast, playing aggressive. Uh, I don't think we're going to be overly difficult. Um, really on teams in terms of schematically and it's going to be pretty vanilla that's typically how everybody does it you know within the the national football league so it's just more or less watching guys go compete and run down there and and try to make a play on the ball all right so that's matt lafleur the current packers head coach now the former packers head coach he's going to be prominently featured in one of the most prominent shows at least in nfl circles and among nfl fans One of the best parts of training camp for me the last decade plus, I know the show first premiered 20 years ago, but I've been watching it for at least the last decade or so, and that's the HBO show Hard Knocks. Now, the Packers have never been the featured team. The late Ted Thompson would have never allowed it. Ryan Gutekunst may be thawing on that, but so far the Packers haven't met the criteria for being forced to do it. Generally, playoff teams are exempt unless they volunteer, which the NFL asks First, but some teams have given us better seasons than others. The Dolphins, uh, their season in 2012, that was particularly good, I thought. Uh, The Jets year, that was really good. I think that was 2010. Uh, The Browns in 2018, that was a good season. But the last couple of years have given us absolutely nothing. The Raiders, a couple of years ago, it was, knock on wood if you're with me. And that was it. That was all That was the entirety of the takeaway that anybody got from when the then Oakland Raiders were the featured team on HBO's Hard Knocks. Last year, I think it was even less because I've watched every episode, and last year it was the Rams and the Chargers, and that was just a snooze fest. And maybe COVID had something to do with that. I don't know. But it's been two seasons of just pure boredom for me. This year... It's the Dallas Cowboys, and episode one was last night, and it started off with Dak Prescott. I love scores. I got plenty of them.
Yeah, a few scars. This is scar, scar. He's pointing out his scars on his body. April last year, um, April 2020, losing my brother to suicide um, and, and dealing with that uh, the best I knew how to. Um, being supported by an amazing family, all coming together, making us all tighter, making us all more vulnerable. And then they go into how Dak Prescott got injured last season. So I'm curious as to how they're going to explore this. They didn't really in episode one. And as camp goes on, I think that's going to be a really interesting storyline. Certainly the storyline of his ankle. And they showed the highlight of it where it was just pointed the wrong direction after he got injured and uh, was knocked out for the rest of the season. So that's the actual biggest storyline. And the show will go into Dak's first couple of weeks, his relationship with Ezekiel Elliott. They call each other each other's best friends. They exchange presents on their respective birthdays. Ezekiel Elliott revealing that Dak Prescott got him a diamond bracelet for his birthday. That's something you give your girl. That's something you give your wife in 20 years. Give a diamond bracelet. Okay. I'm not going to say it's a little weird, but it's a little weird. Uh, Dak Prescott then gets his present from Ezekiel Elliott. It was like a roller travel bag for the road. And I'm thinking, okay, there's a diamond bracelet, and then there's a roller bag. What am I missing here? Because you can go get a roller bag for like 50 bucks. Uh, apparently, I did I did some digging on this. This is a Goyard, never heard of them, Goyard travel bag. And according to the Goyard website, this travel bag costs $13,000. Because, of course, $13,000, it should fly the plane. For $13,000, should carry you to your hotel. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Jerry Jones had this weird moment in the show as well when he met the media on day one of camp. This is Jerry sitting right next to Mike McCarthy at a press press conference. I'd do anything known to man to get in a Super Bowl. That's a fact. And uh, I feel uh, as driven uh, as uh, I was when we first bought the team. And I was scared to death then. I'm scared to death now. And so uh, I do my best work, I think, uh, when it's more positive. And so I need it to be uh, promising. And I need us to uh, have a way to go. That causes me to do stupid things or it causes me to do excessive things that sometimes really work. I've had a lot of people tell me you're naive. Well, it's a beautiful world. It's a better world to be naive than to be uh, skeptical and be uh, negative all the time. But the thing that means the most to me and I care about, and I could probably be anywhere in the world I want to be right now. I want to be here... uh, with our team. So that's Jerry Jones, not in a one-on-one interview on HBO's uh, Real Sports or with Tom Rinaldi, who gets everybody to... No, that was in front of 200 reporters at a news conference at the training camp opening, which, uh, okay. But here's the biggest reason I'm so stoked about Hard Knocks this year. It's because we know the guy who's going to be featured as prominently as anyone, Mike McCarthy. We've seen him. We've covered him. He was part of our lives. He was part of our community. What I didn't know is that he's an Austin Powers fan. All right. Good morning, everyone. All right. A couple things here. 
All right, uh, Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me, okay? How about that guy right there, huh? All right, hey, I got a clip for you. I got a clip for you. Pay, here, pay attention. Turn it up. Austin Powers always defeats me because he has mojo. 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 The libido, the life force, the essence, the right stuff. What the French call a certain... I don't know what. At whatever point in practice, okay, there's going to be a... Mojo moment when it's time for additional confidence, charisma, and performance, no matter what the situation. <laughs> I think I smell a mojo moment coming. It's time for a mojo moment! Alright, we got mojo moment. Give me the defense on the wall side. Mojo! Mojo! Offense over here. Mojo moment! Yeah! Yeah, you look like you fired up for some mojo moment here. Uh, yeah, that was a little strange. Uh, the mojo moment maybe this year's knock on wood, if you're with me, seemed a little weird. I don't know how genuine it seemed, but um, eh, maybe it was something can drive for the cameras. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's how it kind of came off to me. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Game Night. Thanks to Paul Wagner and Pete Doherty for joining us. Have a good night, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow.